This past week, I went to Walgreens. It felt amazing. I, I was just, I don't go out much, you know, as many of us, and uh, I was just kind of walking among the, the aisles, idly enjoying my freedom, and uh, uh, one of the employees said, can I help you? And I said, no, I'm just happy to be, you know, out. This is glorious, perusing all of the bad hardware tools in Walgreens. The Middle Ages were a horrible time to live. Horrible. And, you know, generally the, the Middle Ages, uh, certainly in the western part of the empire, begins around 500 with the collapse of Rome and continues uh, probably into the, the 1600s or so. Uh, we would section that off. In the low Middle Ages, the early Middle Ages, 500 to 1000, it was particularly um, just chaos in the Western Empire, or the former Western Empire, Western Europe. Because once uh, Rome collapsed, then all of the barbarians came in and began to loot and pillage. Uh, people lived in fear constantly for their safety of all of these attacking hordes that might, that might come. There wasn't much government, there wasn't much order. It was complete chaos. Now, the only thing that, that really was existing, the only organization that, that continued to exist at the time was the church, which tenuously held uh, civilization together until Europe began to recover, until the states began to recover. So as we move into the, the high Middle Ages, post 1000, um, you know, things in some ways get a little bit better. But even if you look at, you know, the, the 1300s were particularly horrible. There was the Little Ice Age and the famine, which killed millions of people. And then there was the plague, which went on for years, some seven years or so, which the predictions on that are, are you know, anywhere um, around 25% of the population or even more. People just don't know. But it took a century for, uh, for Western Europe to recover population-wise. So destructive was the Black Plague. Things continued, of course, and, and the Middle Ages were just were not great. I was just kind of think of what was dentistry like? You ever consider just how much, how great it is that there's Novocaine? And we hate going to the dentist. Imagine what it was like, you know, in the Middle Ages. Get a pliers. Um, you look at the 20th century, the early 20th century, the first half. Pretty quickly into that first decade, you have the Great War. Where so many people died. Then you have a little bit of respite after that, the Roaring Twenties, but then you have the Great Depression. Then you have World War II. Not long after World War II, now there, there is some, some, some good times, some good decades following World War II, but then you have Korea, then you have Vietnam. And that's just our 
largely our experience of all of the horrible things that happened in the 20th century, consider what it would have been like to live in Russia or China or Cambodia, Cuba, Mexico, it goes on and on and on, Spain, during different times in the 20th century, genocide, persecution. So here we are, and we're, we're given this very strange reality. You know, it's one thing to, to know who your enemy is and to fight against your enemy, you know, face to face as it were, like in a, a war pre previously fought. But to have an enemy that is, you know, largely invisible to us, to, to not be sure. You know, who's carrying the disease? Who's passing out? We don't know. So there's, there's an element of us that, that, of course, lives in fear, and it's not an irrational fear. It's a legitimate fear. There's many of us who just live in caution. There's many of us who live in denial. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of emotions and perspectives. It's just, just in one family, you know, there can be chaos regarding this stupid virus. You know, one person thinks it's real, the other person doesn't. Or maybe it's overblown, you know, that kind of thing is what I mean. And then we're stuck in our homes. I mean, even, even if, uh, you know, we're relatively healthy, and some people certainly have to work, there's still this sort of um, shroud that's placed over our activity. Don't do too much. I mean, it really is a, a limitation, of course, on our freedom, but also on our, on our emotions. You know, there can be a lot of depression. I can only imagine how, how many couples have been at each other's throats for the past few months. I mean, because, you know, married people never fight. You know, or even kids with their parents or, you know, siblings between each other. Just being more confined changes the dynamic. And as soon as the dynamic is changed, it reveals all kinds of things. You know, a couple who normally, you know, has sort of their schedules and that sort of thing are now sort of forced together a bit more. And they have to confront certain things that maybe they haven't confronted in their relationship. Siblings are now stuck together, which is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Except when they're really little, but even then, you know. And they're forced to adapt. I mean, I can't even tell if you're smiling at all my great jokes and observations, but I'm just going to pretend you are. So all of you grumpy people like me, who always has a grumpy face, I just, I'm just in my mind painting smiley faces on your masks. It's, it's so strange, and yet, like so many centuries previous, so many generations um, have lived through incredibly difficult times. And even the Middle Ages, which, which were in many ways a horrible time to live, brought forth such great, great uh, art and uh, literature and 
uh, the beginnings of science, the invention of the university and the hospital, all kinds of great uh, innovations and adaptations, uh, many of them from the church, but just from you know, society as a whole because they had to adapt. They had to confront the adversity they faced and you have a choice, right? You have a choice. You either fold up your tent and give in to it, or you say, I have to adapt. In our families, we have to adapt. We have to deal with this head on, whether we like it or not. You know, Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. We still have to confront it. We're still going to have to deal with it. Politics aside, it's here for a while. And, you know, really what it confronts most of all is our own individual virtue or lack thereof. That forces us to reflect on our relationships with each other. I mean, I'm lucky. I just have Ella Fitzgerald, my, my Shih Tzu. She never, no, she does argue. Take that aside. But that's all I have, you know. Father, it's so horrible you can't get married. Not so bad right now. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. But you know, we, so we, we have to kind of confront some of these relationships, but we also, and this is the thing I want to uh, kind of make as my main point. We have to confront now where our relationship is with Christ. Because many of us are not able to go to church. Some of us, you know, uh, some of you watching at home have legitimate concerns about your health. It wouldn't be good for you to go. Um, some of you have, uh, you know, and then there's the whole space issue and everything else. It's just, it's just difficult right now to go to church. But that doesn't mean that our relationship with Jesus should be put on hold. And very often when something is taken away, or we can't engage our faith in the same manner we normally do, what's left is just ourselves and Jesus. Because there's not sort of a, a, a mediator, as it were, between our relationship. In other words, I go to church and that keeps me connected. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to watch at home, we're trying to, to be here, those who are able, but it's, it's much more difficult. But God hasn't gone anywhere. Jesus hasn't abandoned us. Jesus still desires a relationship. And I know, I know that, that this reality we're currently living in has drawn some people deeper into prayer and deeper into a relationship with Christ. But others have allowed that relationship to fail, or to weaken, let's say. I don't think people would say, well, I don't love Jesus or I don't love God, but circumstances being what they are, that relationship has been set aside. Now is not the time for that. Now is the time for more prayer. Now is the time for more intentionality with our relationship with Jesus. And boy, do we need it. Boy, do we need it. 
If there's ever a time to say, Lord, I don't understand, and that's okay to say, I don't understand what you're doing. Where are you? Where are you in my family and my relationships? Now is that kind of time to reach out to him. You know, Jesus, Lord, I'm depressed. I miss my family. There's so many grandparents who don't get to see their grandkids, who feel isolated, and their kids don't want to infect them or, or put them in danger. And so there's, there's all these poor souls who, who are really dealing with depression. What is the answer? Well, we can do some to, to alleviate, but for them, prayer. Cling to Jesus. This is something my mother taught me since we were real little, my sister and I. We, did, we didn't really have an easy uh, life growing up. I don't want to compare it to anybody. I'm sure there's always somebody who had it worse, but, but it wasn't particularly easy. And whenever we had difficulties, whenever we had difficulties, my mother said, we have to pray. We have to pray to Jesus. And this might, might have been the greatest thing she did that set an example for my sister and I. This is a profound gift for a parent to say to their children, get in here, we're going to pray. We have to take this to Jesus. And as long as we stick with Jesus, as long as we hold on to Jesus, like that woman you know, in, in the crowd grabbing the tassel of his cloak, just hold on. It's going to be okay. It really is. And, you know, the, the Lord talks about the scattering of seed, you know, which is his word. He preaches his word, and there are some souls that have weeds or thistles. There's some souls that are hard as rocks, and the word won't penetrate. And then there are some souls that are fertile. They're ready to listen, they're ready to hear, they're ready to absorb, they're ready to allow his word to grow and take root. This is the kind of people we need to be. Hearts ready. Hearts open to receive what God is giving us because he has not stopped giving us his gifts and his grace merely because of the adversity we now face. So brothers and sisters, if you're, if you're home alone, we pray with you today. Um, for those of you who many of us go home and we are alone, we need to hold each other in prayer. We need to individually be praying. We need to have, be solid in that. But we also need to hold each other in prayer. Through that mutual support and by God's grace, we may look back on this time as a great gift and not merely great suffering. Please stand.